Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. I believe that people come across your path when you need to learn from them. Today's guest brings her tools and life story to Getting Work to Work to help those stuck and looking to create extraordinary lives. Maria Kellis is a leadership coach and teacher who is endlessly curious about the possibilities available to each of us. In this conversation, she dives into the four steps of what she calls the Empower Game. One, intention. Two, clearing. Three, gratitude. And four, trust in order to receive. Maria also shares her lessons in the power of gratitude while recovering from a broken back, body, and spirit. Not to mention how she discovered patience through discipline, her approach to routines that aren't boring, systems of creativity and the power of teams, and scarcity versus abundance. Open your mind to the extraordinary life you want to create and listen as Maria shares a lifetime of wisdom. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 722. Well, Maria, welcome to Getting Work to Work. Good morning. I'm glad that you're here today. I hope this is a great way to start your day. <laughs> it is absolutely. Good morning, Chris, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I love asking this question of everyone I talk to, but what are you endlessly curious about? I'm endlessly curious about possibilities. I love to find out what can be done, what what else can be available. I, I find that there's magic in the universe, mm. and uh, I'm always curious about life. Mm. Have you always been this way? Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. This is like the new Maria, the Maria 2.0, and, and I'm really grateful. If I have one message to give to everyone is that this is something we can design. Our life is by design, not by default. And uh, we, no matter where we come from, no matter what challenges we face, no matter where things came from, we can just start over. I love that you share your time between Thailand, Greece, Cyprus, Bali, and the U.S. And I think this speaks to this idea of creating the life that you want. How did you achieve a life where you can go to all those places and live the life that you want and do the work that matters to you? It feels very natural to me. I started with wanting to travel. So I, I felt this desire to go and explore the world. And uh, it sort of ended up being a natural thing that uh, I was like, well, I like this place and I like this place and maybe also this place. And suddenly it was like, okay, well, I like all of them. So then they can be my house. And uh, the reason I came from a place where I realized that we don't get everything we want in one place from one person. We can get a collection of the things we want and then we build our life, the, the life that we love if we collect all of them together. So every place has an incredible part for me. Mm -hmm. And the rest is kind of my design. So the, the reason I'm saying this is I feel that a lot of people are stuck in place. They feel that they can't move. They feel that they, oh, well, I was born here. What can I do? Or 
I only speak this language, what can I do? Or I only can do this, what can I do? Or if we do something, it really comes from fear, like we need to run away, we need to escape. Whereas fewer people choose their lives. And I feel that this is, if I have one message to bring today, and we'll go through it again, I'm sure, is that life is by design. That whatever we do, whatever we choose, is because we choose it. It's because we decided. And it all starts with a decision. Yeah. I love that you have, in a sense, reframed the question of what can I do to what can I do? <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the curiosity that you brought and the excitement that you brought in your voice. I, I, as I said, and we'll talk a little bit more about how I came to be this person, yeah. I did not start out this way. Even though I, um, I have this amazing life, and uh, I am happy. I am happy as can be. And I'm truly happy. I'm not faking it. Like I sometimes if I wake up and I'm stressed, it feels weird. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, what's going on here? And then so I just meditate or whatever I do for my practice. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm back to my happy me. I, I consider happiness and, and uh, my normal state of being. I feel at peace. And I discover that joy and curiosity are really the essence of where I'm going next. It, it almost feels that being at peace was easier than finding joy in everything. And I'm excited that I'm at that stage in my life where I'm starting to, to be like a child again and, and find everything to be exciting. I mean, I still, you know, it's been years that people call me like a child, right? But but I find something, I'm like, this is great, let's do it again, or this is fun. and but it's not about fun as in like, let's always have fun. It's about, I am enjoying this. And I always come from a principle, I believe that kindness is a superpower, that kindness guarantees that we're surrounding ourselves with love. And that is what keeps us in this amazing state. And, and kindness allows us to remember to have this win-win-win scenarios in in our life and in business, especially in business, is it good for me? Is it good for you? Is it good for the world? So this win-win-win negotiations, this win-win-win deals guarantee that everything we do is for the highest good. And say, so we don't have to worry about everything. We're like, okay, well, I did the best I could. Now I can move on to my next part. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So when you're designing your life, do you start with a vision off in the distance that you're going to work toward in a, like, what's your five-year plan? <laughs> kind of like that popular phrase. Uh, or do you just start sketching and seeing what are the possibilities in who I am and, and where I'm currently at? Absolutely. That's a great question. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this method that I've designed from my life that literally is a method that reflects my life. And it took me years, years. Every every single step I'm going to tell you was years and years, not so much of figuring out the basics because that I'm going to tell you, but understanding in a huge depth. The steps, it, this is called the empower method, and there are four steps. Step one is intention. Step two is clearing. Step three is gratitude. 
And step four is trust in order to receive. And think of it almost as if going through dimensions, going through another plane of existence, whatever you want is available. I like to use the analogy often of the book of life. If your book of life is not what you want, well, change it. So the first thing you say is, oh, well, I don't like this book. And maybe I want that one, the yeah. other one. So, so first you have to clear. So let go of what you have and stop holding on. And then the next step is figuring out what you want. And the gratitude, it's almost as if you're surrounded with your, yourself with a little spacecraft and you're going out in the distance. And the trust is what pulls you back here. So mm. trust is, again, surrounding yourself with love. The only difference between gratitude and trust and in receiving is that gratitude is something, it is almost like an energy that, that is love that goes out. So it's from your heart out. So mm -hmm. you're projecting out so you can go anywhere you want. And then trust is, is faith, is love, but it's coming from outside in so you can receive. And mm. a lot of people... I, I have to say, myself included, that receiving tends to be the most difficult step. I can't relate to that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I do want to say that because it's important that receiving is by itself an exercise in trust, in knowing that this is a decision. And I'm going to use some deep philosophical uh, so Epictetus in ancient Greece uh, was a Stoic philosopher, and he he's the person who brought the uh, the top of what what today we understand. And in Stoic philosophy, is all about letting go of everything and just needing nothing. Uh, and he went one step beyond. Who's like, okay, so let's make a decision: is this a good life or a bad life? This is your decision. There's evidence for both out there. Mm -hmm. Yet, if you choose that this is a good life, then you will find evidence for that. And you use gratitude as your way of finding evidence. Like, this is a good life, let's find evidence. I, I like to speak about these four levels of responsibility. So, and I know that's again four steps, but this is different four steps. <laughs> the this is from going from a victim to really designing your life. Mm -hmm. And I told you how to design your life. You use the Empower Method. But it starts with you understanding that there's four levels. One, life is happening to me. I am the victim. No matter what, all things happen externally, and I am reacting. So this is where most people hang out. This is where I used to hang out very much. And it's not a good place because everything is kind of happening and you just have to react. And trauma very often gets us stuck in those places because we no longer, we, we're in permanent stress. We are always in stress response. We're in survival. And from that place, there's no enjoyment. It's just, oh my God, what can I do to survive next? The next part is shifting a little bit. It's not thinking that we create life, but at least we feel that we're lucky. 
So that's where the gratitude step comes in, where you're like, well, I don't know why, but I'm going to choose that no matter what, this happened for me. I am lucky. So you, you shift from this happens to me to this happens for me. Mm-hmm. And then the next step, uh, so, and, and let me talk a little bit more about this gratitude idea. This idea is that gratitude is like a painkiller. And literally, I used it as a painkiller when I was in the hospital. Um, and I told you how very dramatic, very horrible, like by all standards, human uh, story that came from that, that to me is the reason I am here and the reason I am so grateful. Uh, but I, I spent a long time in a wheelchair and in hospitals. And uh, th- there was a time, so first I started by being addicted to those painkillers, uh, Oxycontin to be fair, because uh, I knew no morphine, uh, but I didn't know anything about opiates at the time. And uh, and so afterwards, the next time I was in the hospital, I couldn't have painkillers. So I just, I, I had to figure out a game. And my game was a gratitude game. And it served as a painkiller. Uh, at 150, when I would get to 150, uh, the pain would disappear. That that was my magic number. And gratitude is something that a lot of people say, oh, I'm grateful, but. If you say but, uh-uh, not great. <laughs> no. it, it's true gratitude. And and so when I was in the hospital, it was after a very severe accident. So in 2012, I, I fell in a construction shaft. I, I broke my back, I broke my jaw, all my teeth. Uh, all the teeth, unfortunately, the back are fake. Uh, my hand in multiple places. I was pain and I was stuck looking at the ceiling. And during that time, I I knew that I didn't want to be in pain. And I, I said, I can do something about it. So what I would always start with, and, and I have to acknowledge those people who are in pain, not so much fun to think that you're grateful. <laughs> this is a true exercise. So that's why I'm saying it's a gratitude exercise. So I would always start with something that I knew I could be grateful for. And at the hospital, what I was grateful for was my eyebrows were not hurting. It was the only part of my body that was not hurting. <laughs> so I would say, I'm so grateful that my eyebrows don't hurt. And I felt it because it was like the only thing that was not hurting. And then I was in the hospital, so I had clean sheets. So I would always go next. I'm so grateful I have clean sheets. And then after that, it took a little bit longer. And I mean, I was grateful if my mother was visiting. So then I would like, I'm grateful my mother is here. And I was grateful if there was sunshine, you know. So, so I had some tricks, some some things that were stored in my mind. So it might have taken me like five, ten minutes in the beginning to come up with the next thing I could be grateful for. And I was looking for little details because it was not so easy. And the next thing will come. And I'll be like, okay, that's number three or number four, number five. And then I'll keep counting. And I knew that I had to get to 150. So I kept going. And I could feel the pain disappearing at 150. And so even though I would start with, I don't like this, I will go all the way simply by shifting the way I think. And that's something we can always do. Mm-hmm. Because there's another four things, four things we can control. So we can control our thoughts, our actions, the things we say, and the things we feel. Period. And those are in our control. And I mean it in a very deep way 
that things are not outside of control. I mean, the rest of the world, eh, not so much. Maybe we have some influence over but those four things, what we say, what we think, what we feel, and what we do, those are in our control. And that we can do. So let, let me go back to the other four steps we had before, which were the things happen to me, things happen for me. The next step is things happen. So that's being the observer, that's mindfulness. That is understanding that no matter what, life is always up and down, things happen, it doesn't stop. And it doesn't have to concern you. So use a little bit of the Zen philosophy. Okay, no judgment. It happened, good, bad, I don't know. We'll find out. But things happen. And the more we remove ourselves from judgment, the more we remove ourselves from having to, to, to say this is good or bad, and we we'll just say, okay, this is an event, let's choose. Then the easier it is to choose if it's good or bad. And it's like, okay, it happened. I'm going to choose to be good. <laughs> Especially when we're triggered. I, I am a coach, but I, of course, I believe in coaching. So I have my own coach. And I remember after all these years, so this is me like many, many years later, and she triggered me. She said something that, whoa, made me feel abandoned and offended. And I was like, I literally hang up the phone on her, which I never do. But that, I was like, so overwhelmed. I can handle it. And I left the call thinking, oh my God, I hate her. I want to quit coaching. This is horrible. And then I said, okay, Maria, you, you have your tools. You know the game. Let, let's play. So I started by being grateful. I said, okay, what am I grateful for? What can I be grateful one thing she did that nobody else can do these days is she triggered me. So I was like, great, she showed me something that I cannot find on my own. Let, let's, let's be grateful for that. What else can I be grateful? Well, she didn't really react. She just saw me like having my little crisis and let me go. So I said, okay, I can be grateful for that. And um, so she didn't treat me like a victim or somebody who needed rescue. She said, okay, if you need to go, it's okay. And then... It was kind of like, okay, so what else can I be grateful for? So I started listing the reasons. And it took me like half an hour, 45 minutes, which, by the way, in general, is a very short time because we can tend to get lost in these little cycles of craziness, right? But I said, okay, she's triggered something in me that is very deep. What is going on here? And I realized that she triggers something from my mother. I feel very responsible and I feel that I want to be a good kid. And my, my coach had criticized something that I had done or I was asking of her. And then I was like, well, you know, I felt like a burden. I felt like, oh, I can't ask for that. So it brought up all this memory that I'm too much, that I'm too much to handle, that, I'm, that people won't support me, all, all those things, right? So I was like, okay, what is bringing up? And then I realized that I feel responsible for everyone for everyone's welfare. And, and my mother right now is sick and she can possibly die. And I kind of felt that I was feeling responsible for her surviving. And well, this part of what I do is being a healer, but I, I realized the hubris in that. That is such a ego trip. It's like, who says I can control life and death? This is definitely above my pay grade. So <laughs> I kind of saw something that was hiding very, very carefully in my effort to support my mother. And so I kind of let go of that. Remember, step two is letting go in the empower method. 
And then suddenly I could really step into gratitude for real. And so then I, I truly went back into this, okay, why did I create this? And I realized that one of the situations that coming up in my life is me, well, my, my mother is in Greece, so I'm like, well, will I go back? And how will I go back? How long will I stay? And up to that point, I will go to, to stay in her house, in, in her house. And uh, these days, I find it more and more challenging to stay in her house because I'm at this stage in my life where I have lots of cleaning ladies. I have cleaning ladies three times a week, and she doesn't like having cleaning ladies. And it's a real fight. And I'm like, well, if I go for a couple of weeks in Greece, well, maybe I'll offer her to take her to vacation. So this way, we can both enjoy ourselves, and I don't have to worry about having to clean her house. This is her domain. Why would I bother? And it showed me something that, again, I was taking for granted, that every time I go visit my mother, I clean up her house. And I'm like, well, why do I have to do that? not my you know it, it's her domain it's her kingdom she feels comfortable why would they and she gets super upset afterwards she's grateful but then she gets super upset and i'm like well shouldn't that be a hint that i may be disturbing her her way of being so maybe it's okay to let that be so it showed me something that was deep and i can see before so me getting upset with my coach was a huge trigger but then also underneath it was something that within a few days i could feel the shifts and the reason i'm saying that is that gratitude is not always for granted but if we don't take an example of an event as good or bad it's not she's not bad she didn't do anything to me that's for sure and also nothing bad happened i i kind of hang up the phone before I started yelling at her, which was my natural <laughs> reaction at that moment. That's why I hang up. And then I was like, okay, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely upset. Okay. So nothing happened. Nothing happened really. So I can just deal with the situation as it is in the moment. And I'm like, no judgment. Okay. So I was super triggered, obviously. So I'm upset. Okay. Well, you know, she didn't do it. She didn't do this to me. I am upset. Why am I upset? Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. And then a deeper level, this doesn't exist. Think of it as the ocean. Maybe there's waves and a crazy storm on the surface, but if you go deep down, very calm, very quiet. So go deeper. Always go deeper. One layer deeper. And so the last step, which is the part that I'm going to take you through this example, is things happen through me. I create my life. So I'm like, okay, well, what do I want? What do I want from this life? What do I want to create? And that's where I came up with solutions. Well, I can take my mom on vacation or I can, I can change the arrangements or I can plan ahead that I'm not stuck in place, that I can choose. And because I choose, I create. And yeah, there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations coming up with my mom. I love you. And I'm going to have to be on vacation while you're with me. But I realize I don't have to associate my mom with her house. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm judging her. It doesn't mean I don't love her. I adore my mother. But we don't have to love everything about a person in order to love them. Yeah. Wow. 
I, I had to write down a couple of things because <laughs> so much there. The first thing that I'd like to bring up is that just the words that you're using, the the methods in which you are approaching this work takes an unbelievable amount of time. It takes weeks, days, hours. And we live in this world of just like immediate gratification, immediate results. Why can't I just have my gratitude <laughs> happen like that with the snap of the finger? How have you learned to be so patient with the process? <laughs> I am laughing because you're not going to love my answer, but for me, it's a more extreme example of what happens to us. Well, not happens to us, but how life is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use my example in order to go deeper. I was stuck in a wheelchair for 18 months. I was stuck in hospitals for months. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> the only choice I had is to be me. Unfortunately, I had a very horrible experience in the past. And this is what propelled me to say, no more. I need something else. I made my first decision when I was in the wheelchair. I was so sick, so bad, that they brought a motorized wheelchair for me. And as I was sitting in this little wheelchair and I was pushing the little button to go forward, and it was going so slow. I was like, wow, that's not as full as walking. And <laughs> every time I would go up and down in the, in the pavement, and, and I was in Berkeley at the time, Berkeley, California, which, by the way, is one of the cities that have the best infrastructure for uh, handicapped people. And still it was rough. It was rough. Everything hurt. Every little bump in the road. And think of it. In the pavement, one one tile might be a little bit displaced than the other. And well, guess what? In the wheelchair, it feels like book. It feels like pain. And it was so painful. And I was in my 20s at the time. And I was thinking, wow, this is not my life. And that is when I decided, that is when I decided that I am not going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Period. This is not going to be my life. I'm not going to be sick forever. At the time, everything was bad. So my fiance had left me. Thank you. Um, I was broke. All my money had gone to hospital bills. I wasn't welfare. I qualified for food stamps. I was in terrible pain. I had no prospects, nothing. And I was like, well, I am still me. This is the one thing I realized. I am still me. Nothing outside defines me. I'm not anything external. There's a Maria here that, yeah, I have no idea who she is because everything I took for granted is no longer there. But she's here. So who am I? Simple question. I mean, a lot of very wise people ask me that question. But at the time, I had to ask the question out of necessity. And the reason I'm saying this is because it was my low point. That is as low as we can go. Every category in the zero category, I was checking yes <laughs> from an external point. And in that moment, I knew that I wanted something different. And it was from desire. Up to that point, I thought like everyone that, oh, well, bad things happen and then we can get out from breakdown to breakthrough. And I thought, well, this is definitely a breakdown. So I did not think 
I had too much. All I knew was in the moment, and I was forced in that moment. Over time, I I thought of this was, I mean, when I first got healed, uh, that was 2006, I thought there was a medical miracle. And then I had a series of accidents and diseases from 2006 and 2012, horrible things that happened to me, really bad things like from outside, quote unquote, that happened to me. And so through a lot of pain and suffering, I learned to be patient because there was nothing else I could do. I, I learned that I had no control. I, I learned to let go. That being said, first I asked the question, well, can it be done continuously? Can I create more medical miracles? Can I create more incredible, extraordinary circumstances? And the answer was yes. And then I started asking, well, can I do it for others? And the answer was yes. Then the next question I said is, can we do it faster? And the answer was yes again. So I said, okay, well, how can we do it without the pain and suffering? Because it was not only me that was suffering. I could also see people go through things. And I was like, well, how can we do that? And it was about letting go of our ego, literally. Letting go of what we think is right. And having a discipline. So the trade-off for pain is literally being disciplined. And I'm in military discipline. I wake up in the morning and I have a routine. I go to bed at night and I have a routine. In the middle of the day, I have a routine. I organize everything. I think of the yin and the yang as the river bed and the river, the water. The river is not just the water. It's the, it's the flow, the structure that we put behind it. And because I'm a leadership coach, I work in business. I like those systems and processes. I <laughs> like having things organized. Those methods actually are our riverbed. This is where we operate in. As we put those boundaries in, as we create that structure, that structure allows us to move faster and faster and faster through. Because if that riverbed is not defined, then we can go far. Like if you have a water, if you have a glass of water and you drop it on the floor, it goes everywhere. If you have a glass of water in the ro- and you drop it in the river, well, then it goes with the river. Yes. So you need that definition. You need to know where you're going. So remember the empowerment method. So the the four steps. Going back to my other four steps: the intention, clarity, gratitude, trust to receive. In order to know where you're going, you start with an intention. In order to know, when you have an obstacle, you clear it. This is the discipline of pain. When you want to go out in gratitude, well, you have a discipline of gratitude. And it may seem easy sometimes, but it's not easy when you're in pain, when things are bad, quote-unquote. It's not easy to be grateful. That's when it becomes a discipline. And the receiving, the trust, the faith, that's a little bit more complicated. Because it's not external, it's a feeling. But it starts with this idea that this is a good world. I am going to be surprised. What you mentioned before, how can you be, this things happen? Whoa, what's going to happen next? This yeah. excitement, this childlike, because it's like, okay, the world came crushing. My, my coach just, you know, made me super upset. Oh, I wonder what's happening next. I wonder what incredible thing. Oh, like, and 
you know what? In my life, it may look like a fairy tale, and I feel like I live a fairy tale life. And to be honest, things happen. Yeah. Always. Oh wow! Like this person created this issue, or you know, like last week I had to deal with my team. My my manager was starting to to, to really really be upset to the point that the team had stopped functioning. And I, I because I I have a large team, I I can rely on her to take care of it. And I realized things went bad when I had a webinar and everything was falling apart. It was one bad thing after another. And I was like, whoa, we have a problem. And so I had a conversation with her the next day. And I said, what's going on? And I realized she was stressed and overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, I didn't pay attention to that. Let's deal with it. It it was not a good thing. I can tell you, one, webinar went really bad. (laughs) Two, my manager was extremely stressed and I had to deal with it. And she she was playing victim. She's like, well, it's the fault of another employee. And it's this and that. And I was like, whoa, remember, we don't do that here. Slow down. And, and then I realized, well, what are the resources that I have available? Mm-hmm. I didn't say, okay, wow, I have to get rid of her. I said, well, how can we support her? Yeah, it's not my choice. I didn't want my manager to be falling apart. I didn't want my team to be falling apart. I definitely did not want the webinar to be falling apart because that's a, on the exterior. And I, I look like not good. I was like, okay, it happened. No judgment. What are we here to create? Why is that helping us? What am I going to create from this? And I said, well, okay, let's make a better, more consistent team, better support. And so I brought in another person in my team who's also a teacher, but he works in the team. And so I said, great, he can be of assistance. He can be supporting. He can be the one who becomes her rock. So then Two people are better than one. Why not? And he wants more work, so perfect. Everything works out. So it was good for me, good for her, good for the whole team. And I assume good for the world because we're good for the world. (laughs) I love that example of the riverbed and the river. Because what it speaks to is sometimes with creative people, they don't want to implement systems because it will affect their creativity. Or so they tell tell themselves. I mean, I've been there all the time. but And yet, I think creativity in a sense of yin and yang, where our creativity is the water and our systems are the riverbed. And the systems allow us to have our creativity flow through us. Absolutely. And I do want to speak to that. I am a very creative person. Which means I am not loving the systems and implementation (laughs) well guess what i'm hiring people to do it Mm -hmm. and this is something that i do want to encourage like remember i'm a leadership coach so i always like to show people and i speak both with corporate and entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs we have this tendency to think that we have to do everything and the answer is no we are not good at everything i can tell you that no matter what your character is as an entrepreneur you we all are tempted to do everything, to micromanage everything, to control everything. The truth is we are not. What is your zone of genius? So if you find your zone of genius, stick to that and hire people to support you. And if you can only afford one person in the Philippines that can be your assistant that takes care of the things that you really do not want to do, then that's where you start. 
I, I have a big team right now, but every person has a role. And I find people who love doing what I assign to them, who are suited for that role. I find people who have a good heart. That's my usual criteria for hiring. And then I'm like, we'll train you for the rest. And then I find what they love to do and they do that. Because I don't like to force people. Mm-hmm. I don't think that work should be miserable for me or anyone else. So I'm like, what is fun for you? Let's do things that are fun. I definitely combine people who love repetitive tasks. I have a lady in my team. She loves repetitive tasks. So if you tell me as a creative, do this thing a thousand times, I'm like, oh, maybe you want to kill me first. That will be more kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you tell her be creative, she's, she gets stuck. But if you tell her this is the exact steps that you're going to do a thousand times, she's like excited. Oh, my God. Hit in the playground. She goes and just tells me. I'm like, wow, okay, I love this. She's been in my team for eight years because I'm a creative and I definitely need people who like repetitive tasks. Yeah. So she has a job with me for the rest of her life if she wants to. This is why teams are so powerful because we're all different. If we're trying to replicate us, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. If we say, well, I'm not going to have to replicate me, I'm going to just be me and then I'll let you be you, then we can surround ourselves with our people find that being themselves is fun too yeah and then we're all happy it's a really good company and i know it's, it goes against everything that people have said but some of my people have been with me for eight years eight years ago is when i started this company and they will not go anywhere else i, I remember i had a conversation with a guy in my team and he's like yeah i've never stayed that long in the company it's very unusual uh-huh. for me Usually after two, three years, I leave. And I said, yeah, but I make it fun, don't I? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because not everything's going to be to their liking. But when things are rough, we work through them. I I always say to my team, no no shame, blame, or guilt. We're not blaming anyone. There's no shame. Okay, it happened. There's no need to apologize a thousand times. I'd like you to, to reflect on what happened. But when things go bad, we go and redesign. And we find out where the cracks are, because this is showing us something that's a problem. Like the example, the webinar going crazy yeah. bad. Well, yeah, it showed me some issues in the team. I hadn't seen them because I'm busy doing other things. But that's my job to do other things. If I was micromanaging, I would have seen them. But I won't be doing my job. I'm a creative. I need time to think. So if I micromanage, I don't have that time and that luxury. You mentioned that you have a routine for the morning, you have a routine for your workday, you have a routine for nighttime. How does creativity fit into that routine? I didn't say that my routine was boring, and I didn't say that it was <laughs> Part of it is meditating, part of it is, uh, is clearing, part of it is uh, gratitude, part of it is creating. I, I'm a creative. So I need to have a schedule. And we have in Google, I have like 10 calendars. Well, no, more than that. I think at this point, 15 calendars that I run from. And everything's in my calendar. But you know what? I like be creative. So I, I realized that I like colors and pens and, and, and I like to draw. So I every morning I do my calendar in, in a notebook with like my color pens. And I have many colors for different things. And it makes me feel that I'm playing. And this is my calendar. I am thinking, what am I going to do for the day? I put my to-do list and I have little colors for priorities and all that stuff. 
And you know what? I'm like a little kid. I, I have fun in that time. So I design a routine that fits me, that is fun for me, even if it's because I, I know what works and it doesn't mean I like it. So I make it fun for me. I make it so I like it, so I can do it. Networking, well, I used to be terrified of speaking with people. Interviewing, like what we're doing now. Oh my yeah. God, I used to want to hide. I will like, I, I will like grow pimples. Or I, I had, I, I remember years ago, I went to Mind Valley to, to, to speak and in, in Malaysia. And I arrived and upon landing, my whole entire face was red. Entire face, because I was so embarrassed. And I had to spend, I, I landed like, I think it was 10 p.m. And I had the interview in the morning and uh, the, the, the recording. So we were filming, we were filming. So I was recording. And uh, I went through all the pharmacies that were open at 10 at night to find something that I could put in my face that it would like stop being so red. And in the morning was like huge makeup session. But it, it wasn't just red, it was painful in my face and and this is not just the one time but that this was the most extreme time but certainly i was so terrified of being public of being seen so terrified now i'm comfortable but it took discipline to get there it was belief and understanding that i will get better next time mm -hmm. i did the best i could i did 150 percent of my effort now and next time i will be better so I wasn't judging myself in the process. I was saying, next time, I will do better. So getting to the next time. Yeah. I That's mind-blowing right there, because I think for myself, I would always hold on to, it needs to be perfect this time in order to have a next time. But what I like what you're saying is the assumption that there will be a next time that will, you'll be able to do better with. Absolutely. And this is the difference between a world of scarcity or a world of abundance. We talk about this very often uh, when we talk about money. Uh, a lot of people are stuck with money. And uh, money is an energy that's one of those very difficult things for people to achieve. I always say, well, are you in scarcity or abundance? Do you believe that more money is coming? Or do you believe that I need to hold on to every penny I have because I don't know what's happening? And a lot of it comes from trauma. People who have gone through war, who have gone through horrible circumstances, not only them, but their family for generations will have this trauma stored. And it is an effort, it is a discipline to say, well, I'm going to choose differently. I am going to say, yes, there is abundance. I'm going to say, yes, I believe that. Even if you don't believe it, it starts with that decision. Do you want your life to be this or do you want your life to be different? And if you want your life to be different, then you have to do something that you may not like, which is called discipline. You may have to meditate, and that's okay. That is your discipline. But little by little, we're going to get there. So yeah, instant gratification, yeah, that doesn't work. Instant gratification is the world we live in. Oh, I want a pill to get things. Well, I've always had problems with uh, being overweight. And unfortunately, I've gone through the journey of well yo-yo dieting for many many years until i finally started losing weight and i i lost a lot of weight so i i went from 147 kilos that's like 350 pounds 
to um, down to uh, 80 kilos. Uh, that's around 180 pounds. And I was stable in that for a very long time, from 2012 until COVID. And yeah. guess what? With COVID, I lost my balance. I lost my routine. I couldn't exercise as much. There was a lot of like fear and stress around. So I kind of took it on and temporarily forgot who I was. And at the time, actually, my mother had cancer. So it, it was a very stressful time. And I kept saying, I'll deal with myself later. And well, guess what? I found myself at 127 kilos. That's like 280 pounds, I think. I was like, okay, how did I get here? So I spent the last year, I'm down 33 kilos and I still have a few to go, but 33 kilos is like 60, 70, 70 pounds. And it was a discipline. It's a discipline every day. Am I going to exercise? Every day I'm going to choose healthy food. It's not easy. It's not easy. But, you know, big goal, big target. What can I say? I cannot just say, well, you know, oh, well, it's the fault of my mother for having cancer. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the fault of the world for having COVID. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I chose this. So, well, guess what? Now I have to choose differently. I can shift where I am. And I think that comes back to something you said at the very beginning about clearing and letting go of the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are in order to see who we can be. And I'm, I'm kind of wrapping my mind still around that because to me, it's like, I'm going to figure out what I want first and then I'll let go and, and do that. But it's almost like it's, it's a safety mechanism that we put in place of like, until I know what I want, I'm just going to hold on to this misery <laughs> that I'm in right now, as opposed to I'm going to let go of the misery because then I'll be clear, like you're saying, of what is actually possible. I remember the four steps in the Empower Method, intention, clearing, gratitude, trust. Those steps are in order. So you start with an intention. Not the clearing, and then you do the intention immediately. After. The clearing immediately after, then you go into gratitude, then you go into trust. And the reason I'm saying that is this is a game that I have my students play daily, and you can play too. I am. I wish everybody was playing that game because every day, every day, I go through those four steps, and sometimes I do it multiple times a day, especially in tough days. Because why not? Because this is my discipline. Remember oh. that discipline equals no pain. So yeah. I'm like, I'd rather, I'd rather not want to play my empower game and still play it than than have than lose hundred thousand dollars. Much better to play the empower game, right? Because it's okay. Things will happen. It will happen. Things will always happen. But if you keep your discipline, you're in the center, you're in the balance, and you don't have to worry about it, things happen. So, so if I'm understanding you correctly, those four steps of the Empower Method are not necessarily time-bound. Because to me, when you mention them, to me, I put on like, that's a one-week process where, you know, it's no. like this long process. But you just yeah. reframed it as like, oh, you can do it in a moment. Yes, right now. 
my intention, my intention just to keep valuing the webinar. What am I clearing? I'm clearing my fear of being of being recorded, of saying something stupid. I am clearing my ego. What am I grateful for? Well, I'm grateful for you. You have really good energy. You have a good heart and I love your voice. And what am I trusting? I'm trusting that whoever needs to hear it will be attracted to hearing this webinar right now. Yeah. Or uh, this, um, this uh, podcast at the moment when they need it. And I trust that this will be distributed in its own time to the right people at the right moment. So that's it. I just did it. Yeah. Four steps. Intention, clearing, gratitude, trust. So you've been an entrepreneur for eight years? No, I've been an entrepreneur uh, since I was 18. I started my first company. The, the one that I have now, it, it's called Empower Inspired Leadership. So it, it's like literally the company that I do for classes, that I use for uh, coaching, for uh, training. Uh, I love what I do. And uh, I uh, this is this most recent company. And I think it's going to probably be the rest of my life because I love it. I absolutely love teaching. I love helping people. I find that my purpose is in helping, in, in, in supporting, in uh, in. I feel that I feel good every day. So I don't see a reason why not have this company for the rest of my life. But we'll see. Yeah, I love that. Never say never, huh? <laughs> no. It's interesting. You know, something that you just said triggered, not triggered, but like something came up when you said it. But you said, I'm trusting that when this comes out, the right people are going to find this when they need it. Mm-hmm. And time is, I guess time is really fascinating to me right now because I'm working on a project that I started 20 years ago and I put it on the shelf for probably 20, 20 years. And as I work on this project, I see the, the changes that have happened in me over 20 years. As I'm going through this process, I can see it being my future. As opposed to just, oh, I'm going to put it on the shelf when I'm done and, you know, just be going back to what I'm doing today. And I love that when we're open to the things that are coming to us, it can shape where we want to go and who we want to become. I just, I I think I'm just really thinking about that. I love what you said. And um, this is so beautiful. Because you were born to be extraordinary. You were born to do what you're meant to do. And it comes to the idea of purpose. And I would like to say that as you're looking for the purpose, it's looking for you. Whatever you are seeking is causing you to seek. It's calling you. This understanding of, yeah, 20 years ago I started, but I wasn't ready then. I did a few steps, and then I had to go through a life journey of 20 years before I could come back here. There, there's a great wise man from India and, and he asked the question, how far away from home do you need to go in order to find your way home? And sometimes it's far away. Sometimes it is far away. We yeah. have to go very far to find our way home and home is right here, here. But we have to go outside, keep looking, looking, where's my home, where's my home? Until you realize it was always here. That being said, whenever you come to that realization, whenever you come to that moment, it's perfect as well. This is the perfect moment. This is this moment of, okay, I am here now. 
and that's okay. However long it took you. There's no set rules of what life should look like. Right. You see, all these people saying, well, me included, <laughs> don't get me wrong. When I end up in the wheelchair, I had the perfect plan for my life. I'm in college, I'm going to work a couple of years, I'm graduating, I'm going to get engaged, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have so many children. Well, guess what? <laughs> life happened. Not at all what I thought. Not at all what I thought. Remember, I told you my friends that left me when I'm in the wheelchair. As I was speaking about children, <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you know, that's not my interest. I'm not interested in being this mess. I, you're going to be sick for the rest of your life. I'm not interested in being there. It sounds cruel, but I don't judge him. It, it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation. He messed out on being on my extraordinary me, but, you know, and it's kind of funny because for years I kept thinking, well, should I have married him when he came back when I got out? And the answer is no. And it was funny because I needed that closure. And, and, and some years ago, I was like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if I, I can call in the one. So I started like having this exercise where I was just calling. One of my clients wanted to manifest a stable relationship. And I was like, okay, I'm going to call in the one. I want to get married. And I, it was funny. But 11 days later, 11 days later, he sent me a message. And in his message, he's like, hey, Maria, I know you're in Thailand. I'm in Phuket. Uh, is it okay to see? 11 days later, I was like, okay, speak about science. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go see him. Because I always wonder, what if, what if I had been different? What if I had not done this? What if, what if, what if? And then I went and met him and I realized he was stuck where I left him. Mm. He hated himself as I hated myself at the time. And he was the right match for me at that time, but not anymore. And I saw it. And it gave me peace and closure. And I realized that, yeah, he was the right man for me at that time. And I will not have had the development and, and happiness that I today have. So it will not have been a happy life. And it was a gift he gave me. Gift. I am so grateful it turned me to him for coming back and wanting to be with me. Thank you. I mean, it didn't work out, but, but thank you for wanting because that gave me the closure I needed to know that we cannot keep life regretting. Yeah. Because it was one of my regrets. What if I had stayed? Because after I got better, he came back and I didn't stay. It was not the right decision. And I realized it gave me this freedom to remember from that point forward that, okay, I made that decision at that time. And it feels like a horrible thing happened, but it didn't because I had to go where I am supposed to be and I needed to clear. So life, because I was resisting clearing, life took care of that. It's really funny. I, I end up in a wheelchair, so in the hospital on Wednesday, the Sunday before, I had a conversation with somebody that I had just met. And she said, how's... And she's like, oh, and I said, yes, I'm engaged, and we have some problems. But I know we're going to work through them. And I also know that he's the right man, because I know that whenever I end up in the hospital, whenever I really need him, he will be there for me. <laughs> and life is like, really? Well, let's check that theory. <laughs> but, but seriously, that was Sunday. So on Sunday, I said, huh, I can trust him to be there. And he wasn't. Life showed me that he wasn't going to be there. So that showed me that I had to let go of that relationship. 
And yeah, I took it at the time as things happened to me. My fiance left me, oh, horrible person. But what if I had the whole experiment to let to realize that he's not the right man for my life? It's kind of funny, but if you go back, you can always find how you created life, how life was really by design. How, I mean, at the time, I probably needed, I, I came from a long history of abuse. I've been abused since childhood and in adult life. So I had um, physical, mental, emotional, even sexual abuse. So I was, I understood love and life through pain. The reason I was engaged to that man is because I had shut down all my, emotion, all my emotions, but somehow he could make me cry. And because he could make me cry, I thought, I must be in love with him because I have emotions that I have with no one else. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really bad to say that. I mean, thankfully, I'm not that person anymore. But, but at the time, that's who I was. I had no emotions. I was a robot. I was an overachieving robot. And my life on the outside looked perfect. I was at MIT. I had just graduated. My first job out of MIT was the Media Lab. That's where I met this man. And the, the Media Lab, super important influencer institution. So he, he's one of the smartest people in the world. I mean, I, I thought from, from the outside perspective that he was the right man for me. My brother said, he's the smartest guy I've ever met. And I was like, me too. I thought that being smart was what created happiness so the smarter the better and i'm not saying he's not a wonderful man it's just that he wasn't wonderful for me yeah it was painful and i thought love and pain were the same so pain equals love so then i must be in love i didn't know better until he came back and i realized oh okay oopsie <laughs> i had a regret and the reason I'm saying this story is because our regrets sometimes carry over until yeah. we know that that decision was okay. It was the best decision I could make at the time. And move forward. Move forward from that. We can't always have the experience of someone from the past coming and wanting to reconnect. Is the Empower Method a good tool to use for revisiting a regret? in order to get peace and closure? Uh, <laughs> I remember I teach this stuff. So uh, there's deeper, deeper layers, and uh, I don't have necessarily the time to go into deeper okay. um, deeper exercise on how to get closure. Uh, it's part of clearing. So whoever is interested in that question, because it is a very important question, I, I was going to offer. So today I'm offering a a workbook as the add-on to I, I would like to give the audience something but i'm going to say that if you go to my website mariakellis.com you can book a session a complimentary session free, and then come talk to me and i will explain for your situation what it would be relevant because that's a very good question and it's a very deep question so yeah. i won't necessarily have time now but uh, and it might not be relevant for everyone uh yet I, I feel it's an important question. So you yourself, Chris, come see me. <laughs> Talk to me. You have access to me. I would love to go deeper with that question for you, if, if that's a question that is relevant to your life. Thank you. Well, as we wrap up our time together, what bit of wisdom would you like to leave with the audience? You are extraordinary. You were born to be extraordinary, and 
you can create an extraordinary life. The power is within you. Stand in your power and know that everything is available. You have a choice. Use that choice. Things are not happening to you. You're creating life. And you can create life as fun as you want it to be. Love it. Well, final question for you. Is there a book or a podcast that's really blowing your mind right now? I am rereading a book uh, that I've read many times. And every time I read it, I love it. And it's uh, Being Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. So that's a book that I'm loving right now. Because as I evolve, I often revisit all books because at the time when I heard them, they meant something. And then later, they mean something else to me as I evolve. And so that book is extraordinary. So that's the one I would recommend. Excellent. Well, Maria, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work. It has been truly an honor to be a participant of hearing your story. And thank you for your bravery and just the way you show up in in all of your authenticity and and joy. I, I guess those are the words that come up. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to to reach more people because that's what I'm here to do. And thank you because I feel that my purpose is to help. And so you're helping me in my purpose. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the gratitude is from my side. And thank you, the audience, for listening. You're the reason I am here. Thank you. As Maria mentioned, if you were inspired by this conversation to work on building your extraordinary life, be sure to head to mariakellis.com to book a session with her. I know there have been things I'm thinking about myself that will be good to talk them through with her. I have a lot of clearing to do, not to mention building patience and discipline. What about you? Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.